Thank you for listening to a Praise Chapel Kingman podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at praisechapelkingman.com. Man, God is a good God, isn't he? Amen. Amen. It's encouraging to see you today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Romans. The book of Romans, we will get to that here in just a minute. Romans chapter 8, and we'll be starting in verse number 14, and uh, we'll look at that here in just a few minutes. This morning, I want to uh, continue on with a thought that I began last week. Now, we began... Um, this sermon series, this short series on the Father Heart of God. And I, I you know, the reality is, is I, I don't know if I can really uh, claim to do this well without the help of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the, the, the truth is the Father Heart of God is so large, so immense, so full, so rich, so uh, all-encompassing. I don't know if a, one human being could ever capture all of it. So I really am uh, trusting that the Lord would help me and, and that the Holy Spirit would uh, give us some wisdom. I'm, what I'm really hoping for is that somewhere along the way, God takes my words, causes them to touch your heart, and then expand them in you. I'm, I'm hoping that these words really act as a seed. How many know a seed is nothing like the, the full plant? You know, one you look at a you look at an apple seed, and you don't realize what you're holding in your hand is an apple orchard. Actually, you're ha- you're you're holding an infinite amount of apple orchards, because there's infinite amount of apples in that infinite amount of trees, and so it just really is an amazing thing when you think about what a seed represents. And so it's my hope that the words that I speak today really act as a seed to grow in your heart about the Father. And the reason that I think this is such an important subject and and thing that we need to study and understand and really, really put into our Christian uh, belief system and faith is because that the way you see God ultimately will determine how you respond to God. And it will ultimately determine how you look at your own life. It really will represent what what you believe about self, it will represent what's going on in your life and, and help you, and it will cause you to grow deeper in Him. And so somewhere along the line, what, what, what I want to do is I want to give you this uh, information, and I want to help you to... to uh, 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 do, do we have a problem here? Okay. Well, let's pray. Let's just pray right now. Call, call 911. Let's pray. It's all right. Hallelujah, Father, right now. Just stretch your hands forward right now, Father, in Jesus' name. Lord, minister right now. We take authority over this in Jesus' name. Father, we speak freedom and life right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Touch her and minister to her right now, Father, in Jesus' name. God, your grace, God, your grace. God, help her, God, right now. In Jesus' name, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do we have a wheelchair in the back? We can get a wheelchair. Actually, we have a paramedic up here right now. So, And Jesus up here right now. So it's okay. You guys just stay with us. It's all right. So what we're going to do is just let them get her out to where the paramedics and the ambulance can take her. 
Isn't Jesus good? He is a good God. Let's just tell him we love him right now. Just worship him. Father, we glorify you. Lord, we magnify you. We glorify you. We give you glory. We give you honor right now in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're just going to let them do what they need to do right now. If you just, I beg your patience just for a moment. Just stay in an atmosphere of prayer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, right now, God, help her. God, help her right now. She's, she's looking a little better. She's actually looking a little better. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 God's doing a miracle right now. Her, her whole face looks different. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. I'm going to continue on, so if everybody can bring your attention back to me. For those of you, amen. Give God glory. Give God glory. We'll see where we can, we can go with this. They're going to, I'm sure that if you, you'll hear in a minute, you'll probably hear a siren, but that's okay. And they're going to get her out and get her medical attention, but I believe God's touching her right now. Her, when I walked up to her, her whole face was paralyzed and... Now it's coming back and she's speaking. So God's doing a miracle. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, that's a first. That's okay. God is God, man. He's still on the throne. Oh, thank you, Jesus. It's like I always tell my good friend, Coy, you're going to see something special. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So the reason that we want to talk about the Father is because we really do want to set the platform for what God's doing in our lives. And I believe that God will really help us. And I think it's really important that what we see in our Father in heaven is that we see a Father with a heart that longs for intimate relationship with His children. See, everything that we know about God, we can find in the person of Jesus. Are you understanding that? Every word he spoke, he heard first from his father. Every action that he ever did, he saw his father do. Jesus, this morning, is the perfect reflection of the father. 
Jesus tells his disciples, I and the Father are one. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And Jesus this morning came to reveal the Father. It's, it's why he came to earth. Now we know there was a lot of things that he came to do. He came to preach the kingdom. It was his primary message. He came to seek and to save those that were lost. It was the plan of God from the very beginning. He came to pay a ransom for our lives, and that was accomplished on the cross. But in it all, Jesus came to an orphan planet to reveal the Father and to demonstrate a brand new concept, and that is intimate relationship with a living heavenly father. That's been the plan from the very beginning. See, when God created Adam and Eve, he put them in a perfect environment, in perfect bodies. They were perfect in every way, and they had perfect connection with the father. He wanted children that would love him by choice and that would relate to him and connect with him and walk with him and be intimate with him in the cool of the day. And Jesus came to reveal to you and I, someone who had never been revealed before. See, because any faint concept of God as our heavenly father in the Old Testament was always completely overshadowed by the majesty and glory of the eternal one. Now, there's no doubt that our God is majestic. There is no doubt that he is high and lifted up and he is full of glory. There is no doubt that he is all powerful and that he is in every way awesome. We do not for a moment make light of that. But there is something that God wants us to see even beyond that. Listen to me. Beyond God's majesty is the heart of a father. And that's what he wants us to see. Then, see, we can stand in the awe of his holiness and his majesty and his eternity, his glory. But listen to me. It's something completely different when you stand in front of him as a father. And Jesus came to reveal the father. In fact, when he was praying for his disciples in John chapter 17, he says, God, I've, I've manifested your name to the men that you've given me. So when Jesus healed the sick, when he opened blind eyes, opened deaf ears, when he caused the lame to walk and the dead to raise, he was doing what any father would do if they had the ability. How many know when your children are sick, you want to do something about it, don't you? When your children are struggling, when they're hurt, when they're wounded, you want to take that pain. I, you know, anytime my kids struggled, anytime my kids had a hard time, I wanted to, I wanted to rescue them from that. Right. Well, let me tell you something. That is exactly what Jesus did. Every response, every action, every story, every prayer was Jesus revealing what the Father wanted to do in us. So the woman at the well... The demoniac, the story about the woman caught in the act of adultery, the prodigal son, the the story of Zacchaeus feeding the 5,000, all of them were stories meant to reveal the heart of the father. Jesus never broke character. He never stepped out of his assignment. And he always showed us exactly what the father was like. 
And if there was anything that was on the heart of Jesus, it was to introduce God, this majestic, glorious, all-powerful, eternal God, to you and I as our Father. It was his will then, and it continues to this day. Can you say amen? amen. See, Jesus wants us to know the Father. Why? Because I believe personally everything hangs in the balance. I believe the success of your Christianity will be parallel to the depth of your relationship with him as father. That's what God spoke to me years and years ago when I was a young pastor. Had only been in, in pastoring maybe four or five months was struggling one night, very difficult, went into the church, knelt down into altar, and God spoke those words to me. He said, John, what you do in this life, the success of that will be directly parallel to your relationship with me. So I am what I am today by the grace of God. Not because I'm special, not because I was handpicked, not because I'm any different than you, but because the thing that I've endeavored to do over the years is mine out a relationship with God. So with that in mind, I want you to look at Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 14. The Bible says these words. It says, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Amen. Now, I, I personally believe, now this is my opinion, so you take that for what it's worth, but my opinion is this is probably the most important scripture in the Bible. And there are a lot of important ones like John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever... Believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Or Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that says, God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Or the scripture in Romans uh, chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, that say that if we confess with our mouth and believe with our heart, we shall be saved. In the verses in Ephesians 2, that talk about being saved by grace through faith, not of works, but but his grace, his goodness towards us. All of those are hugely important. But friends, let me tell you something. It's one thing to be saved. It's another thing to be a child. Yes. It's one thing to know salvation. That's a good thing. But it's another thing to walk in being a child. Look at, there's a lot of people today that are, they're saved, but they're still living like slaves. Right. See, here's the, here's the crux of the, of, of the story about the prodigal with the older brother. He was in every way a son, but he thought he was a slave. Right. He lived his life like a slave. In fact, the father, see, when, when the son accused the father, because that's what slaves do, they accuse an orphan will make accusation. What did he say? He said, you never did nothing for me. I've been slaving all these years for you. I've been serving you faithfully, and you did nothing for me. And listen to the words of the father. This is the crux. This is, this is where we have to see it. He says, all that I have has always been yours. See, here's the problem with modern Christianity. Lots of people are saved, and they're serving God. 
but they're not enjoying all that the Father has. Why? Because they're still in a mindset. They're still living like a slave. This was the problem with the children of Israel. They were delivered. They were set free from slavery, but they were still living as if they were a slave. They were heading to the promised land, but they could not get there because they saw themselves as grasshoppers in their own sight. They didn't think God would come through for them. They didn't think God would rescue. He had already rescued them. Oh, yeah, but he did that. that was the reason he did that is because there's not enough graves in Egypt. You know, we, we, you know and, 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 and let me tell you something. I laugh at that, too, but the reality is I find myself more in that condition. I'm telling you, that what, what, what we're talking about here when we talk about the spirit of adoption, overcoming the spirit of being an orphan, it's huge. The orphan spirit is taking over, church. He said, well, why is that? Because we're living in what is becoming a fatherless society. It's becoming an orphan society. It's devastating. And it's drastically affecting the church. This thing, because you don't have to go very far. You could go into any school, any, 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 any park or, or any hangout in, 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 in America today, and you can find teenagers that are living as if they have no father. It's devastating. And that same reality is affecting the church. And what's happened, what it's doing to us, <coughs> it's causing us to believe things about God that are absolutely not true. See, because look at your, your viewpoint. See, most of the time what Christians do is they build their doctrine based on experience and not the word of God. So it, what happens is we live by experience. It's, it's like, well, this is what I've experienced. Rather than the word. And so if we live in a home where we have an abusive father or a neglectful father or a difficult father or an absent father or whatever it might be, what happens is we base our revelation of God on what we had in our earthly father. So here a guy like me comes up, gets behind a pulpit and begins to preach about God being our father. And you go, well, I don't know if I want to have that. The last father I had, he probably wasn't very good. And so what happens is we begin to believe things about God that are absolutely not true, and it greatly hinders our ability to have a relationship with him. So I want to take just a few moments of your time, if I can, and I want to talk about some of these things, and I'm going to go a little bit quicker this morning. You know, one of the things that we believe, and there's basically four categories that I've developed, four categories that I believe that all of our belief system fit into. And the first one is that we tend to believe... That God is an unreasonable father. He's unreasonable. Because what happens is God is putting all these demands on me. <laughs> Come on. Oh my gosh, got to go to church how many times a week? And I got to pray how much? And don't even get me started about fasting. You don't get a body like this by fasting. You know what I'm saying? I, you, 
Come on, man. I know Jody's going to get after me. She's here today. So I'm just going to head her off at the pass. Jody always protects me. She says, don't talk about my friend that way. She got, never mind. I'm going to, I'm digging a hole. I'm going to forget it. But here's the thing. What we do is we start putting ourselves all, we, we create liturgies and lists of rules and regulations and we do all of these things. It's called religion. Why? Because you know what, what, you know why pastors put out rules? Because they don't trust you. It's true. I, I've seen it. I've seen it in churches. I've seen churches where they go, okay, if you want to be in ministry, you can have no no TV. Yeah, what? No, I I lived it. I was in such a fellowship. And and you know why? Is because they can't trust me to have enough of a relationship with God to turn the TV off when it gets bad. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a rule to control your life. And then I'm going to tag God's name on it. And then what we do is we begin to believe that God's up in heaven coming up with all these rules and regs that are just unreasonable. It's like, really? How, how in the world can I even live up to any of that? You're, you're unreasonable. And what we end up doing is we reduce God down to that still small voice of conscience. Come on now. And that becomes the knowledge of God that we have. is just that still, small, nagging voice that just makes me feel guilty and unhappy because I've done wrong today. It's like, how can I even please him? I, you know, I always feel like a failure. I'm, I'm like, I can never do anything right. Could I just relax? Could I just have a break today? the unreasonable God. And a lot of people live in that realm. And what it does, church, is it takes him and puts him really distant because we believe that he's just got too many real, you know, and then we come up with accommodating theologies. Did I tell you what that is already? An accommodating theology is a theology that justifies your present behavior. (laughs) I love that. That's good. Yeah, it's, it's a vicious cycle, church, and it spins, it spins, it spins, and that's how Christianity, see, that's how we get so weirded out, and God's up in heaven going, Gabriel, I'm not doing none of this. He's saying, I, I just want to love them. I just want them to love me. You know, can you imagine if... <laughs> I just thought of a story. Um, I remember uh, there was a friend of mine, uh, a friend of mine who invited me up, me and a couple other friends up to his cabin. <laughs> My wife's heard the story. And he invited us up to his cabin. And we were thinking, oh, man, this is going to be so cool to go up to his cabin. And it's in the middle of nowhere, and it's actually the last deeded property on the Grand Canyon. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's pretty cool. They've had it in the family for literally a couple hundred years. Wow. 
And he says, hey, let's go up to the cabin. We get there, and within 30 minutes, he's got us doing jobs. And we all, we all figured out this was not a vacation. This was not get away and let's spend time at the cabin and get to know one another's story. This was, hey, come to the cabin so you can help me fix it. And then as we looked around, we began to notice that each one of us had a particular skill. This was hand-picked. And sometimes that's how we feel about God is he's like, you know, I, I called you because you, I'm going to get you to work. Come on. Can you imagine if Oliver came over and says, okay, little Oliver, you're four years old. All right, bud, weeds in the back. Before you and I play, you get all them weeds out. He ain't doing it. It's unreasonable. But sometimes that's how we feel about God. Another belief system that we, that's a misconception is he's an unreliable father. The reason that you've been hurt, why, here's the, here's the question. Here's how you know if you're believing the unreliable father. Why would God let that happen to me? He didn't. You say, well, wait a second. Isn't God all-powerful? Yes. Is God all-knowing? Yes, he is, absolutely. Well, then he could have stopped it. You're right. But he gave you free will. And much of what you're experiencing today is the decisions you made yesterday. (laughs) Well, if he was a little more reliable... See, I, all the time in Jacob's Ladder, we have this happen. They go, well, if God didn't want me to drink, then he'd slap that beer out of my hand. And I, I go, no, 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 no. See, the same one you want to deny in worship, you want him to come to the table to stop you drinking. And really what it is is an accusation that he's not reliable. He's not going to rescue you. He's not going to come through. That, you know what, if God really did love me, then he would do it my way. And the truth is, what we're believing is we're believing that he's unreliable. That he's not going to rescue me. I can't tell you how many times I've felt like, oh dear God. Have you ever felt like you were alone in a raft in the middle of the ocean? And you're like, you know what, if God don't come through, I'm sinking. And you know, and we have this uncanny ability to use the word if. He came through, church. He said, what do you mean? He died on the cross for me. His work is finished. And when I got saved, it became complete in me. It is now my job to bring it from the inside out. Come on. It is now my job to walk in what he has done. It is now me. that You look at, I don't strive for righteousness. I am righteous. Now what I do is I live. He said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, I'm going to stand on his righteousness and live my life. I don't have to work for it. I don't have to labor to be righteous. I just am. It's not a goal that I strive for. It is a position I live in. Do you see what I'm saying? The third thing is the unconcerned father. 
See, so many of us get the idea that God's just not concerned about us. He's just, you know, it's like, hey, there's 7.5 billion people on the planet, and how can he really care? I live in Kingman, for heaven's sakes. Does God really care what happens in Kingman? Did, really? Come on now. Kingman? Kingman, Arizona, in the middle of the desert, in the middle of nowhere, on I-40 that people just drive through. Really, he cares. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, I, you know, how about them big, pa- you know, those pastors in New York and L.A. and Chicago and those, you know, those great big churches with 40,000, 50,000 people. And God cares about that. But what about this little church right here in Kingman? Does he really care? I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure he does. How could God possibly be interested in me? He's so busy. You know, he's got lots to do. He's got a big universe to run. And what happens is it's very easy to get caught in the mindset that God's just not caring about it. But let me tell you something. Let me say this to you. God is wrapped up in the details of your life. Every detail. He cares about the thought you're thinking right now. He cares about the dilemma that you're facing at home, the bill that you can't pay. He cares about the flat tire on your car. He cares about everything you're going through. And if you will bring him into it, you will see his grace and kindness in it. Another one is the unpleasable father. We just can't seem to please him. Nothing seems to please God. <laughs> it's like, you know, the more I do, the more I do. I read my Bible and read my Bible. How many times have I heard this? How many times have I said this? Well, I've been reading my Bible for a week now. <laughs> Nothing's changed. <laughs> it, took, it took 53 years to tie the knot that I got. I want it untied in a week. And God's like... And so I think, well, you know, if I do more, I do more. And then we get this relentless cry of doing more. Do more, do more, do more, do more. And it doesn't seem to do anything. And we, we buy into the fact that he's just unpleasable. Well, here's the thing. Remember the verse I shared with you, Romans 5.8? God demonstrated, proved, made real his love for us. That while you were still out sinning, Jesus decided to hang on a cross so that he could communicate he loved you and gave you an opportunity to know him. He was pleased with you before you were born. Jesus came to reveal the Father. And listen to what the Bible says. Psalm 68, 4 through 6. Listen to this. This is such a wonderful verse. Sing praises to the Lord. Raise your voice in song to him who rides upon the clouds. Jehovah is his name. Oh, rejoice in his presence. He is a father to the fatherless. He gives justice to the widows, for he is holy. Listen, he gives families to the lonely and releases prisoners from jail, singing with joy. He gives families to the lonely. 
occurred to me this morning in the 830 service that God's running a great big adoption agency. He is the adoptor. He didn't, let, he, didn't, he didn't wait on nothing, but he says, I will adopt you. I will be your father, and then I will find you a family. Oh, wow, that's good. That's rich, man. When you understand that's what we're doing here. Do you understand we're not marking time? We're not, we don't have a, a time card out there. We go, ching, ching, spiritual service done for the week. Click. That's not what we're doing. We're coming together as a family and worshiping our father. And he's placed us as his children in this family. Are you seeing what I'm saying? One of the most amazing aspects of Christianity is that not that we just have the right to call God our father. But listen, we have the right to call him daddy. And I want to, I talked about this last week, and I, but I want to hit it again because it is so important that we see this. Because even, you know, my dad, my dad, I love my dad. My dad is right now, he's in Michigan, and uh, he's with his wife, and they've been gone all summer. And, uh, uh, but my dad's a great guy. He's a great guy. We, we, him, me and my dad, we've had some... Bl- some of my favorite memories are with my dad. I remember when I was probably about seven, eight years old, one winter, we got a lot of snow, lots of snow. The schools were closed. And it was about 11 o'clock at night. My dad says, you want to go snowmobiling? I said, absolutely. <laughs> and so my mom made ham and cheese sandwiches. And we had this snowmobile that had a, a compartment in the engine that you could put the ham and cheese in there. And then our next door neighbors, Bob and Scott, they went with us, and we would go out on the golf courses. And our snowmobile, my dad was into it. He had a racing snowmobile and do about 90 miles an hour. And it was great. It was a lot of fun. And we were playing out there, and I remember that night, about 1 o'clock in the morning, we stopped. And here's my dad. And he opens up the hood of the snowmobile, and he pulls out this now hot ham and cheese. <laughs> and it's snowing, and I don't know if you've ever been in a place where, where it's lots of snow on the ground and snowing, really quiet, really quiet. And, you can, and, you're just, and I can, my mouth's watering. And I remember being with my dad. That was my dad. I remember going fishing with my dad. Oh, man, I could tell you funny stories. I won't take the time to do it. But he's my dad. He's my dad. Now, can, I, can you imagine... Now, my dad is 77 years old now, and I'm 53. Can you imagine me walking in going, hello, Father? <laughs> sometimes it's, hey, Pops. <laughs> Dare I say sometimes it's, hey, old man. <laughs> it's done with re- great respect. But in this scripture, he says, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Now, do you know there's no direct translation for the word Abba? So the closest we can get to it is Daddy. Because in the Greek, in in the culture of the day, Abba was a word. I actually believe it was a Hebrew word. Actually, it was what I believe it was. And, And there was no direct translation for it. And what it really meant, it was a word that little children used that had great respect but great relationship with their grandfather and their father. And it was this word of intimacy. 
And so here are the scriptures telling us whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Jesus, in his most critical moment, when he's about to face crucifixion, prays out, Abba, Father. See, church, it's indicating the kind of relationship that God wants to have with us. Who he really is at heart. Listen, I'm bringing this to a close. And I want you to understand about our Father, our Abba. God is a caring Father. The Bible says this in Psalm 103, 13. It says, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. So when we ask the question, does God care about me more than you can ever know? And he is aware of every detail and he's wrapped himself in it because he cares. Our God, our Father, our Abba, He's a consistent Father. You can count on Him every time. He never lets you down. He is always dependable, entirely consistent. Listen, entirely consistent in who He is. God God never has a bad day. He never wakes up in a bad mood. Can you imagine God waking up one morning in heaven going, and you know, the angels, get out of here. That's not, what, that's not the picture of God. God's never frustrated when we come into his throne room. We're never a bother to him. We never get him at a bad moment. It's not like God goes, well, I, I really do care about that and I want to be there for you, but I'm so busy. You know, Gabriel and Michael, they're fighting again and I got to deal with it. Just No. You're welcome. He's consistent. The Bible says this in James 1.17. Every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like the shifting shadows. He does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did a thousand years ago, he'll do today. If he parted the Red Sea then, he'll part the Red Sea now. If he raised the dead then, he'll raise the dead now. If he caused donkeys to talk then, he'll cause them to talk now. We get this in our head that somehow God's gotten conservative. He's not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's his word, not mine. And he says, and I care, and I'm consistent. He's a God who is close. He is not a distant God. He's not far off. The Bible says in Psalms 145, 18, the Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He's a very present help it's right there he's a God that's all powerful the Bible says in Luke 137 for nothing is impossible with him and one of my favorite scriptures is Ephesians 3 21 or 20 and 21 it says now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we think or ask according to the power that's at work inside of us To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. 
He says, he's able. And listen to me, church, as, I, as I'm winding this down. God, he's a caring father. He's a consistent father. He's close. He's all-powerful. And he is involved. I want you to listen to this psalm. I want to read it out of the New King James. We're almost done. Start in verse 1, Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be moved, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, there is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. You know, when I read that, what spoke to me so much is, is the imagery of his involvement. That he's there. That he fights for me. He protects me. He cares for me. And he's there. He's involved. He makes a way where there seems to be no way. In Isaiah 43, it says this, Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who brings forth the chariot and the horse, the army and the power. They shall lie down together. They shall not rise. They are extinguished. They are quenched like a wick. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? Listen, I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God says, I'll pull this off. I know God's looking at you and he's saying, look it, I know you can't see a way. You are not capable. Your eyes are not made to see the way. God says, but I do. Your eyes are to see me. I'll make the way. I close with this last story. It's a story I love. I've, I've, I've used this before, but I think it makes the point. Ernest Hemingway wrote a story about a father and his teenage son. And in the, son, in the story, the relationship had become somewhat strained and the teenage son ran away from home. His father began a journey in search of the rebellious son. Finally, he made his way to Madrid, Spain. In a last desperate attempt to find the boy, the father put an ad in the news, local newspaper and the ad read, Dear Paco, meet me in front of the newspaper office at noon. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. The next day in front of the newspaper office, 800 Pacos showed up. They were all seeking forgiveness. And they were all seeking the love of their father. 
big God. He's a big God. But he's my daddy. I don't say that in disrespect or I don't say that to minimize him. He is high and lifted up. His train fills the temple. One word from his mouth, everything changes. But that's my daddy. (laughs) It's my daddy. Makes a whole bit of difference when you go, that's my daddy. That's my dad. Church, that's who he is. We're no longer slaves. We are no longer orphans. But we are sons. Can you say amen? Why don't you bow your head with me for a moment? Father, we're so thankful for this revelation. We ask, Lord, that you, God, would just write this upon our heart, God, that you would cause us to have our personal revelation of your fatherhood in our life. Lord, that we would recognize you and know you. And, Father, that, God, we would just be moved by your, your loving touch. Father, I pray for every person in this room today that they would have the revelation of sonship, of being a child of God. I pray your grace upon this room. Bless every home, every life, every family, every marriage. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed, just for a minute more. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, but you want to, you want to know him, you want to come to him, you've listened to this message. And you say, you know what, I, I want this in my life. If that's you, would you lift your hand up all across this place? Amen, I see that hand, and I see that one and that one. I see that one. Amen, amen, see that one. You can put them down, amen. Anyone else, you want Jesus, amen, I see that hand. And for those of you that may be watching by Facebook, you could raise your hand just as a, a step of faith to acknowledge and put it back down just for a moment. But I want you all to pray this prayer. And it doesn't matter if you're at home or if you're here in the sanctuary. I want you to say these words with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life and to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. Help me to live for you and help me to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Our ministry team is coming. If you prayed that prayer, then I want, I want to encourage you to come up and let them pray for you and minister to you and let them touch you. If you have a need of any kind, come on up, let them pray for you, let them minister to you. We're going to let you stand and release you today, let you go from this place. We want you to have a great Sunday afternoon. Enjoy your lunch, and we'll see you next week. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Praise Chapel Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.